0: So I know that um, memory isn't the most reliable thing, (laughs) and uh, certainly as we age, it seems to get less reliable, but my memory is that in his talk last night, Brad um, said something about the need to get the self out of the way. Is that correct? (laughs) <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> Assuming it's correct, <laughs> I do agree with it up to a point. Um and tonight I'd I'd like and it's um not an easy exploration, but I'd like I'd like to explore what is the self <laughs> and how do you get it out of the way? And um it's not easy, but I'm going I'm to attempt, and I'm going to um, I'm going to refer to the Buddha's exploration of this, and so it may sound um, it may sound somewhat um, technical, philosophical, theoretical, but I'm going to try and see if I can connect it to practice and experience. Okay, so we'll we'll see how it goes, and in order to explore this, I'd like to um, just to give myself a, a context for it. I'd like to um, give some background of of the Buddha's teaching, which I know some of you are familiar with, and um, some of you probably not so familiar. And for those who are familiar personally. I find that every time I read, listen to or talk about what the Buddha had to say, I kind of get some different glimpses and see it in different ways. Um, So anyway, going to um, what the Buddha taught. In, In his very first discourse, the Buddha basically gave the entire body of his teachings in a, in very in a very succinct form and um, it's um yeah it's it's a rather short discourse and and um and it's a it's a difficult one to read and it's also a difficult one to understand because it is the whole of the teachings and um, including the most the most difficult which is what explaining the self and how to get the self out of the way is <laughs> The most difficult aspect of it, <clears throat> so in this first discourse, the Buddha outlines what is referred to as the four noble truths, and I know some of you are familiar with it, but just to just to to state it, um, so it's four statements in which the Buddha kind of sums up um, what his teachings are all about, <clears throat> and the first noble truth is simply a statement there is dukkha. So, first of all, um, this word dukkha is most commonly translated as suffering. And suffering has an accuracy to it, um, but it doesn't really cover the breadth and depth of meaning of, of dukkha. So, so, so the Buddha actually goes on in the discourse to define dukkha. And I'll, I'll come to that after I go through the four. So the first is, there is dukkha. And sometimes you'll read that the Buddha said, life is suffering. And he actually, he never said that. So if you read that, just throw it out. He said, there is dukkha. Okay, the second, the second statement is, there is a cause for dukkha. And that cause is craving and clinging. the cause of dukkha is craving and clinging. And his third statement is, remember this is after his years of practice and very deep, profound insight. His third statement is, there is an end to dukkha. And his fourth statement is, there is a path. And he outlines what he refers to as the Eightfold Path. And um, we'll see if we get, <laughs> get to the path. So these are the, these are the four statements in which he sums up his, his intention and what he's going to be teaching about. And when he was asked, what is it you teach? He said, I teach about dukkha and the ending of dukkha. That's all. It's very simple. So, um, so he defines dukkha Um, He gives, there's a whole paragraph in in this discourse where he lists all his definitions. And the, the, the most important ones, the most significant ones, I feel, are where he says, dukkha is not getting what we want. Not getting what we want. So that wanting, I want something and I'm not getting it. That's where I suffer. Hey, if I'm just if I just want something but it's well, okay, yeah, it'd be nice to have that but you know, I can't have it. There's no dukkha in that. If I'm not getting something but I don't really care, it <laughs> doesn't matter. It would be nice to have it, but so what? It's not dukkha. But if I want something and I'm not getting it, and I keep wanting it, that's, that's dukkha. So not getting what I want. And the second part of it is getting what I don't want. <laughs> so how many have experienced either or both of those two through the day today? Mm. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's in all of our experience. Not getting what I want, getting what I don't want someone says something I don't like uh-huh. somebody does something to me I don't like nah. somebody gives me something I, what's the use of this uh, okay so not getting what I want and getting what I don't want and then he um, he makes a, a very profound statement and this is this is really I feel the 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 essence of the, the, in a sense, it's the essence of his teachings, and it's and it's it's really the key to, to understanding um, the ending of dukkha. He says in summary. So he's given this whole paragraph of definitions, and there's a whole bunch of statements. Before. Oh, the third the third important one he says is separation from what we cherish is dukkha, okay? Separation from what we love is dukkha. So how many have experienced that one? Yeah, so we, we, all, we all know dukkha and, and we know from these three examples, we also know that, that dukkha isn't just outright suffering. There's whole degrees, there's a whole range of degrees of dukkha from the most gross, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that, to the most subtle that often can't even be perceived or felt. So then he he sums it up. He says, in summary, or in brief, dukkha is... The five aggregates fueled by clinging. Yeah, I'll go I'll go into the five aggregates. Uh, a, but it, um but the, it's the the five aggregates is basically um after the Buddha did a thorough investigation of this self, he came up with a list of five kind of categories or five classifications, five classes that he uses as a model to describe what this self is. Okay, and he says, in summary, these five aggregates, so this self, dukkha is this self fueled by clinging. So he's saying here that clinging is is like the fuel that perpetuates this self. And, and as Brad also spoke about last night, as I recall, he, he spoke about how the self getting in the way is really the cause of dukkha. And that's basically what the Buddha is pointing at here. Dukkha is, is the five aggregates fueled or perpetuated by, like you keep throwing fuel in the fire and it just keeps burning, 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 burning. And um, and so this this self is fueled by is perpetuated by clinging. And remember, he said in the second truth that clinging is the cause of dukkha. So the five aggregates, the five aggregates fueled by clinging. So the five aggregates is. Is as I said is is a a model that we can use, and and it's a model that we can use, and it's it's actually it's it's basically the model that we use in the meditation for exploring this self. So there's five components. The first is the body. The body. So so much of the meditation is exploration of body. And then the other four are four. Four aggregates. I don't like the word aggregates. I don't know who came up with that translation for it. Four, um, one, of the, one, of the, one translator calls it the masses, four masses. It's, it's four <laughs> components. And uh, so words are so limiting. Um, it's, it's four components that make up mind. And so, one way that that the the texts speak of this self is simply to say uh, mind body mind body so so if I talk about myself, I'm talking about this mind body, but then mind the Buddha breaks down into four categories four four areas for investigating, four areas for looking at four areas for um, examining in the meditation. And, um, and, and the four, all four of them are, well, three of the four are pretty subtle. And um, not, not easy. But they can, they can very clearly be experienced, observed, and known through the, the meditative investigation. So the first is body, and in this context, the significant part of the body specifically is the sense doors, the sensory organs. So the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the the touching, and the brain. Okay? So we have these we have these sense doors these these sensory organs, and um, where to begin with this? We have these sensory organs, and in the world, the inner world as well as the outer world. Probably more obviously the outer world, but also the inner world. There are objects for these. Sense doors, so there are there are objects to see, there are objects to hear, objects to taste, objects to smell, objects to touch, and objects to think about. Okay, so these are the these are the sense doors. Now, what happens when? Um, We'll take as an example. What, what shall I take as an example this time? Um, lunch. <laughs> okay, lunch. There's um, there's the body with the, the sense doors, and there's the plate full of food. So there's the there's the visual. Okay, that that plate, and. And through physics, we know that what's happening here is light vibrations are coming from the food, the plate, and striking the eye. And what happens in that moment, in that moment of the connecting, the moment of the connecting of the eye with the object, there's seeing. Okay. Follow? Put the food in the mouth, the food touches the tongue, and in that moment of contact of the food with the tongue, there's tasting. Okay, and similarly, when a sound is made, when there's a sound, the sound vibration hits the ear, hearing arises, hearing happens. And, of course, all of this is based on the the sense doors functioning properly. Okay, when when we touch something, or when something touches us, there's touching. When we smell, when there's a smell, an, an odor strikes the nose, the sense door, there's smelling and when um when any of these sensory inputs strikes the brain what happens thinking okay thoughts thoughts come so thinking happens these um these processes of smelling tasting touching <laughs> seeing etc are what the Buddha refers to as consciousness, okay? So consciousness is just the bare fact of seeing, the bare fact of hearing, the bare fact of tasting, of touching, the bare fact of thinking, okay? This is consciousness. So in, in the meditation, when, we're, when, there's, when there's a considerable degree of stillness and quietness, we can actually, there can actually be a knowing of the arising of thinking. There can be a knowing of the arising of hearing. We can, there can be a knowing of the arising of smelling dependent on that, that contact. Okay, is everyone following this? Yes, makes sense so far? Okay, so one, one, one aspect of this that, that can become clear through mindfulness, through attentiveness, through the investigation that we've talked about, is rec- beginning to recognize that at least most of the time, and probably all of the time, these processes arise not out of doing something, not out of me doing something. They simply arise as a natural process dependent on that coming together of the sense door and the object. Okay, so if you, um, if you all close your eyes right now. And the doing is to open the eyes. But once the eyes open, do you have to do anything to make yourself see? Yes or no? No. The seeing just happens when the eye is functioning and there's an object there. They come together and the seeing just naturally arises. Okay? And similarly with um, tasting tasting your food at lunchtime. You put the food in your mouth. Beyond putting it, once it's in the mouth and touches the tongue, do you have to do anything to make yourself taste no just a natural process that happens how many thoughts have you had today that you have actually made yourself think how many thoughts today have just come while you've been sitting there How often do you sit here and say, well, now I think I'm going to think about dukkha. And then you start thinking about dukkha. And if it happens, what thought, had you done something before that thought, now I'm going to think about? Had you done something to make that thought arise? Okay, so so thinking arises out of, these contacts, okay? This is a a very important piece to begin to see to what extent am I actually making these happen? And to what extent are they just a natural process that just arises out of the conditions? A very important investigation in the in the practice, and really something to really take interest in. Okay, so so one of the aggregates of mind is consciousness. Okay, so there's the consciousness, there's the the hearing, the thinking, the tasting, the touching, and, and so on, and they, they arise when 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 the consciousness arises in the combination with the sense door and the object, these three things together is what the Buddha called contact. This is our contact with the world. Our contact with the world, inner and outer, is through the coming together of these three things, the combination, the package of subject, object and consciousness okay you still follow yes okay when consciousness arises it triggers other other things other aspects of mind other aggregates one of which is triggered is feeling the feeling tone pleasant unpleasant neutral so when that when the consciousness arises what arises with it is that either in that in that contact either it's pleasant unpleasant or neutral okay another thing that gets triggered is another another aggregate another whatever you want to call it is um, it, it translate it's translated as perception and Perception has different um, has has a few different pieces to it. Maybe that's why it's called an aggregate, because it's <laughs> different bits coming together. So perception includes memory, includes memory. So it includes past experience or the memory of past experience. And perception, the the function of perception is to perceive the object and give it a name So that's where memory comes in is in in giving it the name. So in a sense, perception takes and and it's also affected by the feeling tone by pleasant, pleasant unpleasant and neutral also affects perception. Um, so so. Perception in essence takes the, the 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 consciousness the contact that has arisen because of a coming together and separates it and separates it into the object which it gives a name and because it's separating if there's the object there then there's the perception of someone here okay so we have consciousness feeling tone perception and then the fourth the fourth one the uh it the, the, translates as mental formations. What do you think that means? <laughs> things that form in the mind. What forms in the mind? Thoughts, ideas, concepts, beliefs, mind states, emotions. All these things that arise. Stories, especially. <laughs> so there's the, there's the contact, the consciousness and the contact and then there's the feeling, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, and the perception. And out of all of this arises, ah, so the first thing that arises is the naming. Oh, there's um tape recorder. And then it's, well, wow, that's a very fancy tape recorder. Look at that. My tape recorder isn't nearly as fancy as that one, but I had an old one that was, that was it had the big reels and it was a you know, like the story Brad told last night. It just goes on and on and on. There's a, a wonderful word in Pali to describe this. It's called papancha. Papancha. And just the, the proliferation. The proliferation of, of words that arises out of this. And 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 these stories serve the function of or one of the functions they serve is is to actually create or reinforce the separation. They reinforce that separation. And that separation that has just been created by the mind. The mind has taken that which has come together and is not separate and separated it. And in that it separates me from my experience. It separates me from you. And since since we're separate, since I'm separate, so I'm separate from this tape recorder, at least my perception tells me that, and I, And I think back, Wow, you know, this one really is a better-looking tape recorder than any I've had. I want that one. I like it. Or um, a couple of days ago, I would have said, oh, this microphone just, you know, I I really don't like it. I would rather have the old one on the stand. (laughs) So, because it didn't feel comfortable wearing it. So that feeling tone, the pleasant, unpleasant and neutral come in and based on that, there's the liking and not liking, the wanting and the not wanting. The wanting and the not wanting becomes the clinging and not, not wanting, pushing away, trying to get rid of, is clinging just as much as holding on is. And that becomes the clinging that perpetuates and solidifies this perception of me here and the world is all out there. And what I like of that world out there, I want. And what I don't like, I want to build a wall and keep it out. So this self, this self, um, what, 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 what all this is pointing to is um, I've spoken about the nature of things and, and how this, this investigation is an investigation into the nature of things. And I've spoken about one aspect of the nature of things being the impermanence, that things change. Nothing is, nothing is solid. Everything Everything is, is changing, and not just changing like from one century to the next, but changing from one moment to the next. I just, I just, I just glanced down, and the, the clock changed from 801 to 802. It just changed. You know, this clock looks like it's pretty solid. It has um, <laughs> been there for years. I can remember this same clock being here years ago, but I just looked down, oh, it just changed. <laughs> everything, everything, everything is changing. And then this, this whole investigation, this inquiry into self, points to another, um, another characteristic or quality of things in Pali is anatta. And what it means is n- things have the, the quality or the characteristic of non-separate self. Okay, so, the, so again, the Buddha never said there's no self. What he said is there's no separate self. So well, not to deny this self, but to begin to see that this self, these five aggregates exist in relationship to and independence on certain conditions, other things okay and and this and this self this self is <coughs> excuse me is actually being created from moment to moment by these contacts and the perceptions that arise from the contacts so i taste something and that and the and the uh, you know food touches the tongue and the tasting arises and from that arises the the perception and the and the story and the perception and the story give the sense of me tasting it but that me has just been created by that separation of me and it has been created by the perception. In fact, me and the food and the tasting in that moment are not separate. And so my existence in that, the, the existence of this being, how this being exists in that moment, is conditioned by and dependent on that taste. Does that make sense? Okay. And one way it shows is that is when I start thinking about it. That that simple that simple fact of tasting changes the whole way the mind is working. And changes all the thinking. It it gives rise to a certain train of thought, and that train of thought is part of who I am in that moment. And then, um, and then, a moment later, I smell that food. <laughs> the smelling arises, and the perception says, "Oh, I'm smelling that. Oh, that smells. That smells pretty good. I wonder what have they put in that." and Um, And again, who I become in that moment is conditioned by that smell. And then maybe somebody drops a spoon on the floor and I hear that sound. And who I am in that moment is conditioned by and dependent on that hearing. and all of these contacts are happening boom boom, boom 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 constantly and every time a contact is made there's a new self arising in a um, in a rather um, paradoxical way the, the exploration, the the inquiry, the the application of mindfulness, the um, the the being present with and opening to and and really really exploring this starts to show us. It starts to show this these these characteristics, these qualities of impermanence and of anatta, of non-separateness, in in a way that. The, uh, in a way that it can show, we can begin to see it in a way that it uh, that the insight actually arises. The insight, how to describe it, uh, it 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 becomes known. The impermanence and the non-separateness become known in a way that it it changes the whole way of knowing this process. And it changes it in a way that the process is, is, is understood to be just a process. It's not so much me doing it or it happening to me. It's natural process and and to 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 let this kind of sink in, to let this really sink into the being and really get it, then there's a then it it's 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 known that okay, um, if there is if things are constantly changing, no matter how hard I try to hold on to them. I can't. And there's going to be dukkha because I can't hold on because they're changing. And the more I recognize, ah, the more I try to hold on, the more dukkha there's going to be. Ah. What's the ending of dukkha? Don't try to hold on. (laughs) And 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 with with the insight what can happen is just is is letting go the letting go happens and we talk about letting go and it's an important an important piece of the of the of the meditation practice and process and and very important in our lives and and often we will be We'll, we'll recognize a difficult situation and we'll say, and I'm sure all, at least most of us, have had this experience where something's happening and I'll think to myself, if I can just let it go. And then the question is, well, how do I let go? And, and, and what it comes down to is that letting go is not a doing, letting go happens. It's not a doing. It's not something I do. And the harder I try to do it, <laughs> the less likely it is to happen because because the harder I try, the more I'm clinging to something, either wanting or not wanting. But in in seeing, in, in recognizing that, that holding on is the very cause of the dukkha. Who wants to have dukkha? and when we put these pieces together the letting go the releasing the the relief of ah i don't have to keep holding on to this i don't have to get rid of it i don't have to let it go i just have to be open and spacious and and be free with it and and as 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 one of one of my teachers said when we see that we're holding on to something don't think about freeing ourselves think about setting that free. Whatever it is I'm holding on to, set it free. And when I, when, I, when I really look into this non-separateness and I see how this separate me, this separate me that seems to get in the way of so many things and cause so much dukkha is actually not separate at all. It's very intimately connected and related to virtually everything. And to see that is, oh, I don't have to hold on. Even if I could, I don't have to. It's all right here, right now. And in seeing that, there can be just... A releasing that happens. It's such a relief to feel that, huh? Ah, wow. And 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 the, and and the letting the letting go. It's 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 strange. Some people think, well, if I let go, then you know, like, what about with someone I love? I don't want to let go. Letting go is very often is interpreted as separating from getting rid of, but letting go, when the letting go happens, it actually brings more intimacy. It brings brings a more clear awareness of the connection, the relationship, the non-separateness. And I'm sure we've all had this experience at some point in our lives having an experience of suddenly something just doesn't matter so much. You know, the example I used the other evening of losing something and looking and looking and looking and it's, oh, 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 oh. where is it, where is it? And then kind of giving up. Huh? And then, oh, there it is right there. Oh. And, and the relief that's felt in that, in that giving up and the connecting that, that happens with that giving up. You know, how many times have I looked here for this object and I just haven't seen it? And now I give up and there it is. The giving up happens out of seeing the futility of keeping looking, 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 looking. And there it is. So this, this exploration, this, this meditation, this, this mindfulness, this investigation that we're doing is an investigation of this mind-body, and we can use these, these five aggregates as, as aspects of mind-body to actually give attention to and reflect on and, and to see, okay, is this how it actually works in my own experience? and hopefully come to, come to an understanding of the very nature of this self, the nature of all the other selves in this world, the nature of all the things in this world that are so dependent on and conditioned by so much else, things that we know and things we can never possibly know of. and so through that exploration coming to know the the as as i said in the in the definition of insight coming to know the inner nature of things in a way that allows for the the intimacy the connection the relationship the knowing of non-separateness even though our perception and our experience says separate. And of course this has a very functional purpose. (laughs) Perceiving of separateness is is necessary for functioning in this world. But the, the dukkha comes when we believe that that is exactly how it is and there's nothing else. And so in a sense, the, 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 the getting out of the way is actually getting in the way. <laughs> it's not getting in the way, but it's the, the getting out of the way is in the knowing of the connection, the knowing of the relationship, the knowing of the non-separateness. And when that's known, then this me-self is out of the way. So I hope I've been able to explain this in a way that has made some sense or at least brought up some curiosity, <laughs> some interest in looking into this and looking into our experience and see, how is, is this how it is? And in, in seeing, if I, if, if I do see it in this way, how does that touch me? How does that affect this being? How does it affect this way of life? So let's sit quietly together for a few minutes. Sitting together in our non-separateness, in our interdependence. Each one of us, each one of us, an aggregate of this totality. Any one of us changes, the totality changes. All of us change. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings open to deep and profound, liberating insight. May all beings be free from dukkha.